Welcome to the Now Spinning Magazine podcast with me, Phil Aston. On this episode, I'm joined by Dale Michelson, who was a stage technician at the Birmingham Odeon from 1974 to 1988, when it stopped putting on live concerts. The Birmingham Odeon was a major venue for rock concerts throughout the 1970s and 1980s. I saw so many bands there, and so many bands played there and came back year after year. I think I was 15 when I saw my first ever live concert at the Birmingham Odeon, which was Deep Purple in May 1974. And from there, I was just hooked and saw so many bands. And so it's great to talk to Dale about many of the bands that played on that stage and what it was like to work behind the scenes. So I hope you enjoy this. And if you're a fan of 1970s and 1980s rock music, I'm sure you're going to hear about a few bands that are already in your collection. So, Dale, you worked at the Odeon until they stopped having live shows in 1988. When did, did. you actually start to work there? Um, I started working at the Odeon around about the end of 74. Um, I, I, I was I, I just left school. I was 15. Um, I kind of kicked out of school and uh, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd always been interested in theatre and entertainment. My father was in entertainment. He was uh, he was a member of the Magic Circle, uh, oh, wow. British Magic Circle. So I used to assist him when he used to do his his gigs and and so on. Uh, and I, I thought that that was a really cool sort of uh, job to be doing. So I, what I did basically, I wrote uh, some letters to all the theatres in Birmingham, and. Um, only two theatres answered. Yeah. One, one was the Hippodrome to say thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Odeon answered. And what had happened was it, the, the, it was run by some very old guys that had been their donkey's years. Yeah. There was a team of, 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 of kind of old technicians that they, they came from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, you know. and my letter sort of jolted them to be thinking, oh, maybe we need some new blood because we're getting all these rock shows in and so on. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't really their scene. <laughs> so they called me in for an interview, and lo and behold, I got the job. So I was the youngest on the team. So it, there was a team of basically there were five of us that ran the place. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I started when I was 15. These guys were in their 40s then. Wow. Which to me was really old. Yeah, yes, that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a different story, of course. Of course, yeah. Um, and and so th- that's it. So I mean, I literally started at the bottom, and it, it, it's the old uh, cliche. I, I had to make the tea and sweep the floor and, and all of those things and do as I was told. Yeah, uh, it was all very old school, and um, uh, they taught me the business basically over a two-year period. So what was, how did your role develop? Um, how did, so you were literally like just basically being like a go and get this, go and get that at the very beginning. But what, where did you feel you were being pushed towards? What did you really enjoy doing? Um, I enjoyed working on the stage. I enjoyed doing the, the, the live shows. Uh, yeah. Part of my, I mean, it, it was, it was a, it, the, the, the theatre was built as cine variety. So, yes, we had a big stage, we had dressing room complexes, but also they showed films. Yeah. And you, you probably remember, uh, it, at, the, at one time it had the largest screen in the Midlands. 
Yes. Uh, this screen was enormous. And it, 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 I think it, they said it weighed about six ton, the screen. <laughs> wow. And it was, it was spread across five counterweight systems. And it was counterweighted, so you could just pull and it would it go down. Up, come down. Uh, so it was a big screen. So when we didn't have live shows, we were showing movies. So during my two-year period, they trained me in, uh, you know, pro projecting films, how to edit films. Uh, 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 but I, I, I didn't really go for that. I didn't like it very much. My heart was on the stage. I wanted to be involved with the live stuff. Yeah. And, of course, that became more and more. And the, the films became less and less uh, because as the theatre through, through the early 80s, I mean, it was almost back-to-back -back shows every day. Yeah, I'm, I remember myself going uh, into the Odeon um, entrance during my lunch hour, wherever I was working, and just looking at to see who was coming on yeah. next and yeah. see the advanced yeah. tickets, you know. That's right. That's and right. even before uh, Melody Maker or Sounds announced who was coming around, it seemed to be that the Birmingham Odeon seemed to know way in advance who might be turning up. Absolutely. Uh, of course. <laughs> it was fantastic. I mean, most of these concerts were planned in advance, of course. Yeah. yeah. So nowadays we're so used to being able to to see um, a celebrity or, or rock band's kind of social media uh, yeah. channels, and you can you can even send a tweet or even get them to interact with you. Back then, they were more mysterious in the way that unless you wrote to the music paper or belonged to a fan club, and even then it was probably an in between person who spoke back to you. So you were meeting all of these stars <laughs> of the day. Yeah. Um, were you starstruck? Never. Funny thing, never, and and even now, even less now. If, <laughs> if I was at all, I mean, at my time in life now, it's just it's just a job, and and these they're people. There's there's good. You meet good and bad people, and it's the same with these with these stars. Yeah, um, there's some decent ones. There's some very um, uh, cantankerous ones. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I, I was never starstruck. Never. Because uh, on, on your um, on the Birmingham Odeon memorial page, I mean, you, you did a post about Mark Bolan, who played there yeah. in 1972, and you, you mentioned that he got paid something like £1,780 for his performance. Yeah. Um, back then, that was such a, a lot of money. I mean, how what did that affect them? I mean, they were still young people themselves. Mm -hmm. Being around people like that, because I know that was just before you started there, but you did see him on the 74 tour, is that? Is that right? I, I saw the 74 tour. Yeah. And I, I was actually a, a member of the audience. Ah, and, that, yeah. and then shortly after, I was behind the stage. Stage. Very, very strange. I, ne I never imagined when I was stood there watching T-Rex, I never imagined that I would be behind the scenes there <laughs> in just a few months. Yeah. Uh, it was, yes, it, I guess it was a lot of money. On the other hand, things were different in the, in the business in those days. Uh, Vans relied, the tours were really to promote the records. It's a whole new business today. Uh, so, of course, the money that was made was on the record sales. I think today it's 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 reversed now. Yeah, yeah, you're the right. on touring, so they make their money from the touring. And I think in many ways the record sales are secondary. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing how that's changed. And another big event, because I remember, although I didn't go to it and I wasn't a fan of the basic two rollers, I remember my friends, my friends talking about it. And my older cousin said he'd gone into Birmingham on this particular day and he didn't understand what was going on because there was all these thousands of kids running around dressed in tartan. Uh, what, 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 and you were there. I was there, and let it be on record, I am also not a basic Girolas fan. <laughs> but yes, I was there. That was one of my one of my first shows, one of my earliest recollections. It was madness, and especially for me, young, just out of school. I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, okay, I, I was at the T-Rex gig in 74. That was crazy. I mean, the end, almost the end of the glam rock period. Yeah. Screaming like you've never heard. I don't know whether you, you maybe you were there. I don't know. No, I wasn't at that I mean, one. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't hear the band play. You, you've heard all the old stories about when the Beatles played yeah, live yeah. and they said themselves, they couldn't even hear themselves sing or play. It was literally like that being in the audience. And I remember my ears were ringing for four days afterwards. Wow. Concert. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore because I'm half deaf because of this <laughs> business. <laughs> but uh, then the basic rollers came. And, yeah, that was at the end of the glam rock period, I think. And there was still that insane hysteria in the audience. And it, it, it was just crazy. In those days, it, it, when I first started, the Odeon stage was a little bit different. I don't know whether you remember, but the front of the stage down to the audience had a slope yeah i remember that yeah yeah and we used to have to build this crash barrier every gig across the front of this this yeah uh, stop the, the fans from running up and uh i remember at the end of the show there were this you couldn't you could hardly walk on the stage because of the amount of memorabilia and gifts that the the, the fans had thrown on the stage to the yeah. band wow quite incredible literally we were shoveling this stuff into big bags and and you know cutting yeah. it back. and what what was it it was from cuddly toys jewelry good god masses of letters love letters yeah back in those days it was a more naive world yeah girls girls phone numbers yeah you know, money they put money into the envelopes I mean, we, we had a field day backstage because the bands weren't interested in this stuff. No. They never even touched it. They didn't, they, they didn't want this, you know. Yeah. So it was our job to clean it all away. So we, we, we had a great time opening the envelopes and reading the silly love letters from the, yeah. From the, yeah. the little teeny boppers. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's a few pints out of the, the loose. Yeah, tray, yeah. You know. So, yeah, it was, it was insane. And I remember taking... I lived at home in those days with my father, and I remember taking a bag of this this junk home, and he was like amazed. He could he couldn't believe it. Yeah, he he thought the world had gone insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, while all that was going on, the Odeon was also the the venue for all the serious rock bands, wasn't it? The first yeah. time I ever went was probably just before you started, which is in May 1974 when I saw Deep Purple. Deep Purple, there. Yeah. just and, before. Uh, that uh, was my first ever gig, and um, and then of course once I got the bug, I you know buying sounds and enemy, the 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 although sometimes we went to the town hall, it was when the band was on at the Odeon you felt like they'd arrived. If yeah. they could fill the Odeon, that was where it was. Absolutely. I mean, what what key bands can you remember from that when you start? You thought I'm. Well, I mean, like 
I mean, I've forgotten more than I can remember because it's it's been a lot a lot of years. But there yeah, are there is a specific period of, of that time that I, I remember really well. And I think it's that early period. It's from sort of yeah, from I'd say from 75 up to about 79. That was my favorite period for me because there were I saw a lot of bands that I really loved and I felt sort of honored to sort of see them and work with them as well. I wasn't starstruck, but there were certain artists I was slightly in awe of. I think that's a different thing. Yes, yeah. Because they were my heroes, and I thought, oh, wow, this is just, you know, this is amazing. Here I am, standing yeah. in front of my, I mean, Mark Boland, like yourself, like many others, he, he was a, our schoolboy sort of hero. Yeah. And, to, and to be standing in front of him, I never felt starstruck, but I was like, yeah, you know. There's the man, you know. This is this is this is fabulous. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of what you call serious music, and um, things that I remember. I mean, particular ones that stand out: Bob Marley, um, uh, Bob Marley and the Wailers, uh, Abba. Um, is Abba serious? Yes, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, certainly, yeah. it certainly is here. Yeah. Uh, uh, because Abba, for example, that was. That was the first British tour. That was the first date of the first British tour. Wow. And that's actually gone down in history to the extent that only a couple of years ago, the BBC tracked me down. Oh, yeah. They tracked me down and they wanted me to appear on TV and give an interview. But, of course, the irony is that I now live in Stockholm, (laughs) Aberland. Yeah. In fact, I work just over the road from the Abba Museum. Gosh. You can literally, virtually hear the music playing in in the street from from here. Uh, But they wanted me to go on TV and do an interview. And I had to tell them, well, I'm sorry, I can't because I I live in Stockholm now. So they set up a live radio link and I had to do it over the telephone. And it was in newspapers. I think you may find references to it on my uh, Birmingham Odeon Memorial. Wow. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so that that was a big thing. Um, uh, Alex Harvey band for me. I, I adored. Oh Alex yeah, Harvey yeah, band. yeah. I think I worked, I worked on like three Alex Harvey band gigs. I mean, uh, I just I thought it was amazing. The theatricals, you know, I loved yeah. the music, and uh, so I was quite involved with that. How, how was your role um, developing around this time? What how are you kind of? What was your role on the stage? I was well. I, I was a stage technician, and, and like I say, I was the youngest of the team of five, the old guys. Yeah. So I, I think, in many ways, I, I may have been developing quicker than them because I had more of an aptitude for the for the young scene. Yeah. You know, the bands. I mean, they weren't interested in that. And the thing is, technology was rapidly advancing, and uh, it, it it was it was beyond the old guys that I worked with. Uh, so it was interesting to learn all the new technology and, and so on. Because were uh, a lot of bands also bringing ever more elaborate light shows and trying to fit it That's into right. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I first started there, it was quite incredible. Bands used to just bring on three. They were like big boxes with lids on and you took off the lids. And it was like a genie tower inside that was pumped up by compressed air. Yeah. Or CO2 or whatever. And inside there was just a, a lighting frame. Yeah. Uh, there'd be like 12 par cans, 12 lights yeah. on. 
in various colours, and there'd be one in the middle, one on each side. They, they were nicknamed trees. Yeah. And off they went because they looked like trees, but pointed in the general direction, that was it. <laughs> but we went from that very, very rapidly to, to uh, enormous and very elaborate lighting shows um, from, uh, from, from laser shows. Yeah, which which back then was a new a new thing. That'd be the blue oyster cult. I remember using the blue oyster cult. Yeah, that was probably the first really big laser show. Yeah, and that was enormous. I don't know whether you were at that. Game. I was at that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you remember the laser show? Yeah, it was very fabulous. much absolutely yes. stunning. Um, today, I think we're blinded with science. We're we're entertained to death today. I think with yeah. The technology that we looked through but for us back then i mean that was just stunning you know yeah were you were you there for the for the rainbow gig with that when yes the, uh, the rainbow gig that's one i was going to mention and of course i was very young and naive and eager to learn and i remember that gig incredibly well because that enormous rainbow yeah that was built in sections one of my jobs was to because i was the kid I had to climb over the thing, dragging lighting cables. Oh, my the- God. It was very high. Yeah. And I can still remember being extremely nervous, you know. Um, see, this is the thing. I, I talked to my colleagues here today. There was no health and safety in that. <laughs> yeah. You just did whatever. And when I think back at some of the jobs that I actually did do, it, it horrifies me, you know. It really does. Uh, but yeah, that was one of them climbing over the rainbow, plugging that in. So I remember that very well. That was a great gig. I really liked that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, that was. I remember it being so loud as well. Oh, it was, oh yeah. Once again, health, no health and no. safety. That's why my ears today are yeah. they're, they're, they're destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible the the volume of sound that we used to stand and listen to. You know? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That leads me into another question I've got, is that mm-hmm. because at that particular Rainbow gig, that was the first time I was with a friend who said, shall we go backstage and try and see if we can meet anybody? And we went down the side of the Odeon, waited and waited, and, we, of course, we didn't meet Rainbow, but Richie, uh, sorry, Richie, Robert Plant was in the wings, and he... Yeah. And he came out and walked us to a bus stop, which I've mentioned on the Nice Penny website. But yeah, did, yeah. You, did you get many people coming down and trying to get in backstage and meet the bands? Uh, yes, almost every gig. Yeah. There was always the, the stage door Johnny's, as they're, as they're oh, right. fondly referred to in the business. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but the stage door Johnny's, uh, every gig they, they, were, they were trying to get in. And, of course, it was virtually impossible. Um, there were a few exceptions. For example, <laughs> much to the annoyance of the management, artists like Lemmy, uh, he, yeah. I mean, he, he was a character. He was yeah. a character. I mean, he, he would befriend anybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he used to let them all in. <laughs> and because the, the, there would be terrific arguments on the, with the security backstage. Yeah. Oh, I want them in, you know, in the dressing yeah. room. Oh, come on, come on in, have a can of beer. Yeah. So there was always crowds of, of, of denim-clad kids, you know, yeah. in the dressing room chatting with Lemmy and having a beer or whatever they were drinking. So, uh, but but I mean, generally, it was very difficult. It was if if it was impossible to get in backstage, really. Yeah, I can I can personally vouch for the fact I never got in once. 
<laughs> you didn't know me then. <laughs> yeah, I, I also remember at the time as the as the Odeon became the place to go. I remember when Genesis were booked, and yeah. the and the people queued the night they before, stepped in the street to get tickets. Well, I mean, I remember queuing for tickets for the T Rex gig in '74 yeah. that we talked about, and sleeping in the street. Wow. Never again. No. <laughs> Thankfully. But yeah, but they used to do that. And um, some queues were, they went all the way around the block, didn't they? Went all the way down to yeah. New Street Station. That's, that's right. I remember, that's, I remember the Genesis one doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And the poor kids at the back, of course, they, got, they haven't got a cat in hell's chance of getting a ticket. I mean, the Odeon, there's only three, they're around about 3,000 seats, which by today's standards, that's, Nothing really, no. Uh, uh, but back then it was it was a good size, you know. It was but it was say it was seen as the step up from the town hall, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And um, did, because you mentioned there was no health and safety, but you, there were some bands like um, ACDC with Angus going into the audience on the back of some. Mm-hmm. Back yeah, of that must. I mean, nowadays that cause all sorts of headaches of people going to work out. Really, yeah. But no one thought about it then? No. I I remember that one time, I think he was on on Scott's shoulders, and I I had to, me and my colleagues had to walk in front of them and push the the crowd out of the way. I I didn't like jobs like that. No, no. I didn't like to go down into the audience, really, you know. Uh, But uh, I, I can remember that quite well. Quite incredible. Today. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was at that. Um, I think that yeah. would be seventy-eight. I think. Yeah, maybe I pushed you out of the way. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, which bands had? Did you have any bands arrive with lighting rigs or equipment where they hadn't quite thought it through, or it was it was very difficult to get it to fit in? What, what was the most elaborate setup? Mm, no, not in that sense. I mean. Not that they hadn't thought it through. Everything was thought through. Everything was planned down to the finest detail in advance, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, whether or not the gig fit into a, a venue is another story. Even today, this happens. We have the same here where I'm working. Um, that They've got a, a set idea and lights and scenography, you know, scenery and stuff. But sometimes that you have to adapt to, to fit the venue so you take a bit away here or move it round or yeah yeah you have to adapt so sometimes some of the lighting systems maybe they had to drop a few parts off or whatever but usually it fits it fit in you know one one of the biggest things that i remember was parliament funkadelic oh yeah yeah that for, for those days for the Odeon, that was enormous that was a, a huge show for us. And we we struggled with that. It, it took a lot of adapting to fit that in. I don't really remember. They used to have this huge spaceship. Yes, I do. That, that used to fly up above. And, and it used, they were inside it and it would come down and there would be lights and... Wow, incredible. And high ice and smoke. The doors would open and out would, the band would come. That 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 took a that took a bit of doing. Uh, we had to have extra electricity uh, plumbed in for, for for that gig. Wow! Uh, and uh, we were just on the the limits for that concert because there was so many lights. And uh, 
the irony is that just as the concert finished and the lights went down, uh, one of the one of the four hundred amp fuses actually blew, so we lost all power in the theatre. Oh gosh! There was a big panic for me and the chief to to run down and, and yeah. try and catch this fuse. Once again, health and safety. I would not be allowed to do that today. No, because I'm not a qualified electrician. Yeah. I remember him saying, stand back, I've got to push this big fuse in. And he pushed it in with a stick. Yeah. The big sparks came out. And I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was a very big show. Um, then I remember ZZ Top coming. Yeah. I think that, that, was, uh, that was one of the first gigs that, that utilised very lights. Oh, yeah. In a, in a big way. We had one or two come with gigs. And back in those days, the, the very lights, because you know it was American. Yeah. Um, they actually toured with their own technicians uh, and so on. We, we weren't allowed to touch any of that equipment. Uh-huh. Uh, it's different today. And uh, they had quite a big rig of very lights. Very impressive. Very impressive. Wow. Uh, so that, that was as easy top. But they didn't bring any cattle or cactuses on that tour. <laughs> I think they had a few fake cactuses. Didn't <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Did you see that concert? Did I didn't see that one particular no, no, one. No, 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 I didn't see that particular one. Yeah, yeah. But during this time, you've got, as you mentioned before, you've got Rainbow, Black Sabbath, Van Halen, and Queen. Yeah. Um, Queen. Queen. Yeah. Queen. Amazing. Two two nights with with Queen. What what when when was that? When did Queen play there? Can you remember? Uh, when was that? December seventy five, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That was right at the Bohemian Rhapsody opera, wasn't it? Yeah. In fact, there's a a pretty... Just after that, they were at the Hammersmith Odeon and they filmed that That's right, yeah. Uh, I think you might find it on YouTube. I don't know. But if you watch that, it might as well be the Birmingham Odeon. It's it's identical. So that's what you get. And that's that's what I I did. Uh, I had... One of my recollections is I, I had a little job at the beginning of that show, uh, it's the stage is in black. Yeah. And Freddie is standing behind uh, a white screen where there's a, so he's silhouetted with a lamp behind. Yeah. So my job was to, one on each side, we had to wheel that screen off. Yeah. Uh, when it when the lights went down and then the band kicked in and all the hell was let loose, the lights came up and and uh, I... I tripped over on, on the, I think it was the second one. I fell over something in the darkness and, and was dragged off very rapidly by a couple of roadies <laughs> by my arms <laughs> into the wings. Before. In case you found yourself under all the lights and on stage. Yeah, as the lights came up. So I, re- I remember that very well, very well. Um, what else was there from that period? Pal, Pace Ashton. Oh, Pace, yes, yes. Yeah, that was that was an interesting sort of uh, that was an interesting gig, and of course the, the tour was filmed for their um, they had they had a, they made a movie called Lifespan. Yes, yeah, I've got it on DVD. Yeah, but um, it's well, a- you'll see you'll see me on that. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you'll oh. see a brief glimpse of me uh, coming down one of the ramps on the truck. 
And then you see all the old guys I work with pushing stuff in, and then you see us on stage building everything. Oh, brilliant! I'll have to. I'll have to, um, have to look at that. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to look at that. Very young, and I have a lot of hair as well. So. Yeah, didn't we all? Uh, yeah. yeah, didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that was an interesting show. I think um, uh, didn't really take off that. that no, didn't know. No. Um, who else is, do I remember? Which uh, uh, Todd Rundgren's Utopia. Uh, that's what converted me into a mega Todd Rundgren fan. Oh, fantastic. Uh, because I, nobody knew who he was. they never heard of him. Yeah. We, we thought he was a ballet company or something. Yeah. <laughs> what could this be? But he, he just blew me away. Just incredible. I went straight out the next day and bought whatever I could find. Um, and I've been a fan ever since, you know. Did you were there any bands who kind of misjudged their popularity or, or booked the booked the Odeon and 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 the, the the you know there wasn't as many tickets sold as they would have hoped because many many yeah. many many uh, some of them some of them you wouldn't think I mean especially back in in the early in the mid seventies um, I remember we did a Donovan gig yeah I think he sold about thirty tickets wow and. Quite remarkably, it was in the days of the slope on the front of the stage. Yeah, that I, yeah. Uh, the ticket sales were so poor that it was just him and an acoustic guitar. Uh, so he sat on a bar stool in the middle of the stage and he called the audience up on stage and they sat cross-legged around him. It's truth. When would that ever happen again? No, no. Never. No. Quite, quite remarkable. Yeah. Into that little sort of personal gig he did for them. Yeah. Ticket sales are appalling. Electric Light Orchestra, before they became mega big. Yeah. Uh, we, we did a tour early 75. I think they slipped the gig in as a last-minute thing. Yeah. It didn't sell very well at all. It's very poor. Then, of course, shortly afterwards, they exploded. I mean, <laughs> they were huge, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing bands like the Ingillen Band when they first started out and it was about half full. I remember Budgie, the Welsh group, um, thinking they, yeah. that they could go up from being, usually playing the town hall and I, there wasn't many, many people there. Yeah, it didn't work. I remember going to see Roy Gallagher and the band was got the van broke down or something and he turned up on his yeah. own with an, just an acoustic guitar and yeah. did it just on his yeah. own. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. some fantastic times. And once we get to the 80s, of course, as you said earlier, the Birmingham Odeon then was literally night after night, the, yeah, yeah. a live venue, wasn't it? Yes. Full on. Back to back, back to back. Incredible. Incredible. So what happened towards 1988 when they decided not to do anymore? What happened? Well, do we really know the truth? But the, the fact is that... The film industry was having a bit of a resurgence then. I mean, you've got the, the likes of Star Wars and all yep. those make films. Uh, incidentally, um, the PAL film, Lifespan, uh, I believe that that was shown as a support film to, to uh, The Empire Strikes Back, was it? The first Star Wars. Really? Wow. Yeah, at the Odeon Queensway. Yeah. Uh, but um, the film industry was picking up and... We'd got a lot of, people don't realise this, that we, we got a lot of opposition for having live concerts at the Odeon from the Birmingham Council. I didn't know that. It, it had always been like that from, from the mid-70s onwards. They were very opposed to it. They didn't like it. They didn't like all the traffic, the trucks. Uh, they didn't like all the queues, all the bands. Uh, 
they like they caused a lot of trouble for us in in one way or another, especially yeah. especially via the um, the fire chief. I mean, it, it became they were visiting every gig almost and throwing their weight around and demanding that we tie the PA down and we drop the safety curtain twice and yeah. all, of this, all of this. So they, they were they were slowly making our lives a bit of a misery. And uh, the film industry was picking up. So in the rank organisation's infinite wisdom, they decided that it, they should scrap the live shows and concentrate on films. And they converted the place into what I don't know how many multiplex, yeah. six or eight cinemas in the building now. I think uh, a very sad day for all of us. We were told just out of the blue. Oh, really? With very little warning that in in a couple of months' time that was it. it it's the end, guys. Go go back to showing movies. I mean, I I, I couldn't tolerate that. So. so so what I did you do? Did you go? Is that when you went to the Alexander Theatre after that? Was it? That's when I moved to the Alex. Uh, I still desired that that being on on a stage. You know, I wanted to do the live stuff, and I couldn't imagine sitting up in the projection room showing films hour after hour. You know, it, it just wasn't me. So I, I quit there and then. It's a very sad day. Yeah. Uh, you know, life goes on. That's that's progress. Well, and for and for for touring bands and for agents and record labels and PR companies, that was a disaster. For Birmingham, yeah, it was a and, and of course all the fans. Uh, it was a very very sad day. Yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know whether you remember the petitions that it was ongoing for months. The petitions. Uh, there were people petitioning to keep it live. The Birmingham Mail did a keep yeah. it live. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do remember that. With Paul Cole, he, he wrote a lot of stuff about keeping it live. Um, it was endorsed by a lot of artists, Meat Loaf and well, it was it was it was the right size venue for for certain bands, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was perfect. as much as they tried to push the bigger bands into the NEC and places like that. Yeah. that just, the yeah. sound was never good. People didn't mm. like it. It wasn't as intimate, and the Odeon had something uh, about uh, it. Incidentally, the NEC probably was the start of the downfall for the Odeon. Mm. Um, the reason for that is that instead of bands playing two, three, four nights at the Odeon, they could play one night at the NEC uh, for, for even more ticket sales. So, of course, the, 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 arenas, the arenas destroyed it for the smaller venues. Yeah, true, true. Uh, so I would say that was probably the beginning of it. Uh, but, no, they closed and... Um, they show films today, and um, I went over to the Alex and continued there. Uh, but that was more of theatre. Theatre, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Music. how did? So how long did you stay at the Alex for, and how did you? How did you uh, find yourself in Sweden? <laughs> well, I, I was the I, I, the job that I had at the Alex was the deputy chief technician. Sounds very glamorous, but it's just <laughs> basically the same I was doing at the Odeon. But they yeah. had to get. They like to give you titles in traditional theatre, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, it was interesting. I, I learned another aspect of theatrical. Yeah. Uh, uh, different techniques, of course, because the the, the English theatre is, is it's very stuck in its ways. It's very yes. Uh, so it was interesting to learn that. 
And then what happened was there was a big theater entrepreneur called Mark Furness. Uh, he, we, 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 did a, we did a show called Dangerous Obsession. Simon Ward is a name from the past. Yes, yeah, yeah. He started it. And then Mark Furness decided that he would do a slimmed down version and he wanted to send it to Stockholm. Right. Uh, because it, back in those days, there was an English theatre company based in Stockholm. Uh, very, very small thing, you know. So <laughs> my colleague, a friend of mine that was a sort of a touring guy, uh, he'd lost his driving licence and he wanted me to go with him. And he said, it would be a lot of fun. I didn't, yeah, even yeah. Know Stockholm, I didn't even know where Stockholm was, you know. <laughs> So I was like, oh, yeah. now come on, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I said, okay, I said, yes. So off we went with this van, yeah. packed pack with stuff and ended up in Stockholm. And while, while I was working here, I think we did about a week here, Yeah, I met, I met a girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Swedish girl. Yeah. And that's the reason I ended up in Stockholm. I mean, it was backwards and forwards all the yeah, time. Yeah, of course, yeah. Something's got to change. I wasn't particularly very happy at the Alex. No. But there's an old saying in the theatre business that it, 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 it can be a hard act to follow. Uh, and life was a bit of a hard act to follow for me at the time yeah. after working at the Odeon. Yeah. Because that's where my heart was. That's where the love was. I, I loved the rock and roll, the rock bands, and, yeah. and, and the excitement of that. And, of course, that had all gone. Yeah. And uh, even though I had an interesting period at the Alex, mm -hmm. I, my heart wasn't in it. So I thought uh, a change is as good as a rest or whatever you say. So I decided to move over here and take my chances. And uh, I'm still here. And that was 30 years ago. Wow. So, so what, what's your current um, role then? Because I can see all the rock and roll posters behind you and everything. You're still involved wow. with music. Yeah, I put those up to stop the reflection of the mirror and everything. Well, I mean, they're very good. Yeah, <laughs> King Crimson. Yeah, yeah. These these are gigs that we've had here or next to the theatre next door. Um, virtually the same. I, I'm what they I'm 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 what they call the the stage manager. Yeah. Here. So th th this is a, a a big venue in the middle of Stockholm, an open air venue. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's 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 a place called Skansen, and. Um, it's an open-air museum, working museum. Think of the Black Country Museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is much bigger, and it's it's a little more rural. It's supposed to represent Sweden uh, in miniature. Yeah. And uh, so it's a big park, very big park. There are a lot of old houses. Um, there's a, a sort of a zoo, a farm, uh, and there's lots of small vent. There's a Tivoli Park. There's lots of small venues where we have gigs and things. Uh, the one I run, I run all of them, but the the, the main one is is the large one. Yeah, which, yeah. It's called Solid and Solid and Stage, and we have a lot of bands and a lot of uh, TV productions on this stage. We've just finished one annual TV production that we wow. do, which runs about for eight weeks. It, it finished on Tuesday. So we're clearing up the mess today. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I look after all that. Wow. So I'm basically still in the. In You're the still doing it. Still, still, still doing it. Yeah, yeah fantastic. I, I have a couple of years left, but uh, 
There's life in the old dog yet. Yeah, brilliant. So when did you set up the memorial um, page for the Birmingham Odeon? What was your... Um, well, the, funny, the irony is, I didn't set that page up. Ah, that it was, it was, it was set up by one of the fans, and yeah. um, well, I stumbled across it by accident. I don't know how long ago now. What could it be? Ten years ago? Oh probably. wow! Gosh! And uh, of course, it, it was patently obvious. I knew more about the Odeon than anybody else on earth. And this, this guy said to me. I, I think there were just like 30 people on it, you know. Yeah. And and this guy said to me, listen, Dale, you, you know, I'm going to hand this over to you. I, I haven't got a clue. It's <laughs> yours. Do what you will with it. So he named it the Birmingham Odeon Memorial. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's, a, that's a cool yeah, name. Yeah. You know, why not? Why not? So we set a, a particular time period, and it's from the day it was built, 1937, until the end of the live shows. That's the time period. Yeah, really. uh, because I think that's the most. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think what I one of the things I really like about it is the fact that you do have a lot of stuff that goes back to the when it first started. You know, the that's really glamorous that. times of yeah. when how grand it was as a building in the late thirties, forties, and fifties. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in the history of these places. I'm interested in theatre. Yeah. Uh, so th- that is extremely interesting and valuable information for me uh, to, to seek out that kind of stuff. And I've got various bits of memorabilia that I've collected over the years uh, relating to that. So I think that's pretty cool. And I think it's I think it's a nice balance. It puts things into a perspective. Yeah. It's not yeah. just about rock and roll, you know. No. Well, have you have you been back to the Birmingham Odeon since it closed? Yeah. I've been back a couple of times. Uh, one time I... I met an old friend who sadly died now that still still worked there. So we went for a little tour and we went backstage. And it was it was heart-wrenching, really. A very strange experience because I can tell you now that part, part of the stage you can't access anymore because half of the stage there is a, a big wall and that is one of the cinemas. Yeah. But, but the stage left side, where all the ropes are and where the old Grandmaster lighting yeah. board is, backstage door, yeah. uh, the the, uh, the scene dock where you took stuff in and out, that's still there. Yeah. And the dressing room is backstage. It, it was very bizarre. I mean, they look like from the day that we turned off the lights, locked the door and walked out. That's yeah. what they look like. Wow. Apart from a thick layer of dust, yeah, they're virtually the same. And I, I went under the stage and I found all our old rooms that we had under the stage. It was yeah. my, my staff room. And it was very bizarre. Went into that room and there were all our old lockers that we used to put our coats and things. Oh, wow. All, all the backstage passes on the doors. Just there with stuff still in the lockers that we'd left. Yeah. I mean, this is since 1988. So it's very weird feeling I had. Um, But very sad, very sad to see. Yeah, well, yeah, there's so many, so many memories, um, especially for you. Yeah, and I realised then this this will never be, you know, back to its 
grand theatre days. Not not a chance. Well, thanks very much, Dale. That's been really interesting. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll I could talk it. all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And, and I mean, both of us have, have, have shared so many concerts there, but obviously you were, you, were, you were actually there day after day. Yeah. Um, and it'll be great for people. We, we, to we very likely walk past each other. And yeah. How would we know? But there you go. Well, I shall, I shall have a, another watch of the lifespan um, video to see if I can... You're just catching glimpses, mate. Coming down the ramps, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, thanks very much, thanks, Dale. That's, um, fantastic. Um, I, I just, I love, I love the group. They're now spinning. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. I, I wish I could contribute more, but uh, no. Well, you're obviously, you're obviously very busy. People, people want to get um, visit the memorial page. What's the? Do you know the address? Uh, I, th- I think they have to just search for it yeah. on, on Facebook. I'll put it on the bottom. Um, you can look, yeah, Birmingham Odeon Memorial. You, you'll find okay. it. You'll find it. Yeah, brilliant. That's great. Well, thanks very much, Dale, and I'll, and I'll, I'll see you on the group. Thank you. So a big thank you to my guest, Dale Michelson, for being on the show and to all our listeners. And as I said, Dale is now working uh, out in Stockholm as a stage manager and he also runs the Birmingham Odeon Memorial page. So if you're on Facebook, just type in Birmingham Odeon Memorial and you should find it. It's an absolutely fantastic resource where people share memories of all the concerts that they saw at that well-loved venue. Please subscribe to Nasbini Magazine to ensure you stay up to date with all our future podcasts and videos. And I look forward to being with you on our next episode.